Hey everybody, it's Eric. You think you can win on talent alone? Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hey guys, this is Joe. The name on the front of the jersey is a hell of a lot more important than the name on the back. Something that this country is ready for. The Soviets win. My goal is to beat them. I want you to be a fireball hockey player! That'll get them going. Oh yeah. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think that the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How's it going, Joe? What's new? Not much, Eric. How much? You watch anything good on TV? No, but I went to the movies inside Jackass Forever. Did you get, did so you get any urges to buy a camcorder and like hit your friends with bats Dude. and stuff? Always when I watch this, I always want to go back to the high school days or middle school days where I'm just like messing around with my friends. But it was actually a really good film and the reviews are surprisingly really good. I will <laughs> definitely see that movie eventually. I don't, I don't know if I'll see it in theaters, but I'll definitely see that movie. Yeah, it's, it's just, it was a really cool like nostalgic trip. Like obviously we grew up with this and it's really cool seeing the same guys come back and re- just like hurt themselves for our entertainment. So thank you, the Jackass team. But it's a ton of fun and I was reading some reviews and it's like, it's funny, funny to think about because it's kind of a way true. A lot of reviews are saying like, well, first of all, a lot of people are calling it a masterpiece, which is insane. Like actual like respectable critics are calling it a masterpiece, but it's cool because a lot of people are saying in the reviews that if there's one thing you bring people together, it's this movie. And like, I completely agree. It's like, no matter what side you're on, like whatever, like this movie's just like dumb funny going to it and you're all going to be laughing together and just enjoying yourselves. I think one thing that, the jackass movies that uh people that are kind of critics of them but they haven't seen them um that you have to understand is for the most no one that's not involved like no one that didn't sign up for it is getting hurt or anything it's a bunch of guys mostly guys the girl and the new one but it's a bunch of friends who yeah they're doing some messed up stuff to each other sometimes but they all signed up for it it's not like they go down like some random guy walking on the street exactly. and hit him with like hit him with a water balloon it's it's they, they all it's they get the reactions from those people but the people that are getting hurt or scared or, or whatever they're all people that signed up for it they, they know what they were getting into you know yeah, what i mean absolutely and i also Anything saw good? i also saw moonfall which was not very good but it was just again <laughs> stupid fun i saw the other like, brother yes yeah, it's, it's rolling emmerich so you know you're getting yourself into you know we're getting into with one of his movies but oh yeah it was made no sense and like it was it, it was just a wild ride it's like two or two hours long so it's wild yep. but like the entire time they kept revealing different story like elements i was like what like we're an hour and a half in the movie and we're still getting new like story beats I'm like what is going on right now but it was one of those movies you just turn your brain off and you just watch for the special effects if anything and those are those are good sometimes you know what i mean i yeah i had i had uh <clears throat> one of the movies that i watched over the past week was I watched uh, 12 strong with uh, Chris Hemsworth, um, Michael Pena. Um, there's a few other people that I, I can't, I can't think of. And uh, it was, it was good. It was, it was kind of the same thing. It was, you know, it's not same private Ryan, but it's, it's about the first special force forces that went over to Afghanistan after nine 11. Um, 
and it was it was pretty cool it i think it did a good job of it made you think about the war in some ways that other war movies don't like this isn't a spoiler alert but there was a little uh one of the one of the um people one of the afghani people that was on the u.s side they had like their own militia that was working along with the u.s guys and like one of the kids that was helping them was like 12 years old or something and so <clears throat> he gets into some dangerous situations and the u.s guys is based on a true story i don't know how much of it is true and how much they stretched it but so you start to worry for like the little kid because you look at him and you're like god it's a 12 year old kid holding an assault rifle you know what i mean it's it's a scary time so but i would i would recommend that if you're looking for a, a just a again it's not same for ryan it's not the greatest movie of all time but it was a fun watch. And I also watched um, uh, Broken City with Russell Crowe, uh, Mark Wahlberg, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights. Oh, wow. Abs- absolutely horrible movie. Really? <laughs> I didn't like it at all. I, I watched... I, I mean, haven't I mean, seen it either, so I'm not sure. But like the, that, that cast is kind of promising. Like, it's great. <clears throat> the cast is great. I, and I, I watched it and I'm like, I'm like two hours in and I'm like, I don't even know what's going on and it's not because it's it's not because it's like a complicated storyline it's like they make it confusing with weird just bad writing and and whatever but yeah the cast is great but the movie not so much and then to do one better or one worse i was you know i like like i've said i like action movies i like revenge movies and i like movies about like drug dealers and that whole underworld so i think it was on prime I see this movie called uh, Colombiana, and it has oh, um, yeah, Zoe, Saldana. Zoe Saldana in it, right? And the, the summary is like, <clears throat> girl gets revenge for something that happened to her family when she was very young, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I'll give that a shot. It's just a stupid, you know, you know, put it on in the background, whatever. Joe, I got five minutes in, and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. <laughs> all, all due respect to Zoe Saldana. <laughs> movie was horrible. Well, the first five minutes, maybe it gets really good. I kind of doubt it, but um, yeah, speaking so that's of, about it. Speaking of bad Ryan, though, if you ever see just like I want to on TV eventually, Moonfall. Oh man, wait till you get to the one lines in that movie. They are so goddamn bad. I don't like, even think. What's Moonfall? I don't even think of. It's the movie with um, Patrick Wilson, um, Halle Berry. Oh, Halle Berry. Oh, I did see this. Okay. Yes. Oh boy. I didn't see it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, oh yeah. boy, the one lines this movie make you like. A couple of times, like the there was dead. It was like literally my brother and I in the IMAX theater, and then two older people way in the front row. And it was just there was a there was a scene when um they're trying to like get away from something, and the kid yells, Oh, the moon's back, because the moon just keeps on falling back. I just, I just like burst and laugh, but I just laughed in the middle. I just I was like, whatever, dude. The reason I even know that movie is because in the trailer, I saw the trailer, and it's some scene where like Halle Berry, it cuts to Halle Berry saying something. And I was like, I think I was sitting with Brie and I was like, how is that woman like in her 40s or 50s? She looks like she's 28 years old. I'm like, what the heck is she on? <laughs> and she's not, like, that's the crazy thing is she's, she'll probably look like that until she dies. It's just, she's a freak. She's a <laughs> genetic freak. Um, so anyway, it's another thing that I haven't really started watching because I watched a little bit of the women's hockey, but um, the men's hockey really kicks off tomorrow. Um, it's hockey season. It's Olympic hockey season. So, and we're finally doing movies in the 2000s. So tonight we're going to be talking about the 2004 
hit if you're a hockey fan. I think it's I think it's hit um, miracle. So to go with it, the name's a little underwhelming considering what this miracle game actually was. But I'm drinking little victories from Mass Landing. I love Mass Landing, and it was kind of the best thing I could find. Well, actually, I have another beer that kind of works for it, but I just like Mass Landing better. I won't I won't speak ill of the other brewery, but um, I this is my pick. And I picked it because, like I said, Winter, well, Winter Olympics are here. We've only done one hockey movie before. I said we did. I said we hadn't done one, and then I remembered we've done Mystery Alaska. So <clears throat> this is our second hockey movie, but I'm pumped. Um, my, well, actually, you can, you can go first. What's your memory of this one? I just saw some theaters, and after I started in theaters, I was obsessed with it for a little while to the point where I was, I actually bought an Olympic DVD set just to have the Miracle Game. Um, so I can witness it that way, all because of this movie. So, yeah, when I saw some theaters, I was definitely thinking about it for a long time after. Yeah, I I also saw some theaters. This came out in 04. I graduated high school the year before, so I had stopped playing like competitive hockey, like real competitive hockey. And um, I remember seeing the trailer and thinking just from the trailer that the hockey play looked amazing. Because that's the one thing about hockey compared to other sports is you can run – like football, in my opinion, I guess no, I guess football or baseball are the easiest, in my opinion, to, to do for film. Because football, yeah, football, yeah. all the plays are are planned in reality. So you can say, and it looks real, all right, Joe, you're gonna run 15 yards down, bank left, and then my you know, it's yeah. it's it's easier. And and baseball, you can just get by with you know, one camera shots, like here's the pitch, crack of the bat, and then you can just show the outfield they're going to get it or yeah I agree. whatever basketball is not quite as easy because like hockey it's a little bit more fluid but hockey's i think by far the hardest to shoot and so when i saw that that it was they i saw the trailer and i was like that hockey play looks amazing and then i heard about how they hired all real hockey players and i was like well that that explains why it looks real and i was totally sold and then <clears throat> this isn't a memory of the film but now whenever i see this movie or talk about this movie i think about i think it was in 2008 or 9 i went to a charity event in boston and actually met mike Caruzioni, and he was the nicest person i've ever he was the nicest i know he's not like he didn't play in the nhl or have a real career in the nhl or anything but still he's in especially for hockey players he's he's a big celebrity and he could not be less aware of how like impressed I was by him. He was like the most humble dude and he went out of his way to meet my friend and I. And so that's awesome. You get that sense of like in the movie, he's like the nicest guy in the movie too. Good casting for sure. So um, yeah, it came out at 04. Do you have any stats as far as how it did money wise? Yeah, I do. So like you said, Miracle came out on February 20th, 2004 and had a budget of 28 million, making 64.5 million in the box office. It was written by Eric Guggenheim and Mike Rich. Since Miracle, Eric has been involved with the CBS series Hawaii Five-0 and Magnum PI as a co-showrunner after the former got fired for whatever reason. I was also a writer for NBC's Parenthood for four seasons. Mike is best known for writing sports films such as The Rookie, Radio, and he also wrote um, Funny Forrester and most recently Cars 3. And finally, Miracle was directed by Gavin O'Connor, who has directed movies such as Pride and Glory, which I remember we saw, we talked about, I think we saw it in the theaters way back when together. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Yeah. Um, Warrior, The Accountant, and most recently, The Way Back. Uh, 
He's also been involved with TV, most recently being an executive producer for Mayor of Easttown. Big, big Mayor of Easttown fan. So good for that's him. Why, that's, yep, that's why yep. I don't ever bring up a producer credit, but I thought that was kind of fitting since you talked about that for a little bit in the past yeah. episodes. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a big fan of that. Um, critically, this is, rece- is reviewed pretty well online. 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. <clears throat> Roger Ebert. He gave it two stars. Now I'm going to give a, a quote from his review. And then I'm, I obviously don't think this is a two-star film, in my opinion, but I'm going to defend him in a weird way. So this is a quote from his review. Miracle is a sports movie that's more about the coach than about the team. And that's a miracle too. At the time when movies are shamelessly aimed at the young male demographic, here's a film uh, with a whole team of hockey players in their, in their teens and early 20s. And the screenplay hardly bothers to tell them, tell one from another. So that's all true. That's fine. But now I think it's better than a two-star film. But the way that I will defend Roger Ebert is I was born five years after the Miracle on Ice happened, right? So I think people that lived this even more than someone like me who grew up playing hockey, like the movie will never live up to what actually happened. So there's a there's another sports movie that we'll probably eventually cover um, that I have this relationship with where a lot of people love it and I don't like it at all. I was like totally not impressed by it. And it's for the same reason, because I think the real event was just too, too impressive. So while I don't agree with Ebert, I can kind of get what he's saying. And the fact that he's just such a film snob where they picked, where they have a bunch of hockey players acting instead of actors playing hockey. I think, you you know, it's going to yeah. be tough for him. Did you ever see the uh, TV movie Miracle on Ice? I don't think I did. With uh, your buddy Steve Gunberg playing Jim Craig. <laughs> all right, I'm all set. That's why I didn't see it. <laughs> no, I haven't either. I just haven't. I didn't know it existed until I was doing research on this movie beforehand. But the fact that it wasn't as obviously you would as you would guess, it wasn't really well received. But yeah, I, I, it's interesting how they made this so close to the actual event. I think it came out and I have it up still. And eighty one, I came out. So it came out very oh, yeah. shortly That's after. Way too soon. Yeah. See, I rewatching it now. So this isn't something that I thought in 2004, but rewatching it now, and I don't know if he was <clears throat> how active he was or whatever. But what killed me was that Taylor Kitsch wasn't in this movie because Taylor Kitsch is a legit hockey player. Like he played um, junior uh, junior ice hockey in Canada, and not major junior, but still, if you played. In the, he played in the BCHL. If you play in the BCHL, you're a freaking hockey player and a half. So I would have loved it if this came out like two years later or something and he was able to yeah, to get in, but what are you going to do? Um, so this came out in 04. Um, what month specifically was it? I had it written down. It was uh, February? February, yep. Yeah, okay. So that month in film. This brought me back to the movie scene days again. Club Dread, Twisted. Dirty Dancing 2, obviously that's Dirty Dancing of the modern era too. Uh, Passion of the Christ, Euro Trip, Against the Ropes, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, 50 First Dates, and Before Sunset. So I think there's some pretty good ones in there, some mediocre ones, and then some like meh, but not, not the worst month. Outside of theaters, the infamous Janet Jackson word roll malfunction at the Super Bowl, which was quite the, was the talk of the town. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg launched Facebook from his Harvard dorm room, which has now pretty much ruined the world. So thanks, Mark. Um, Kanye dropped his, his college dropout album, and which is one of the last like 
for me, I think it was the start of, or not, not the start, because I like that album, but hip hop's pretty much gone downhill since like the mid 2000s, in my opinion. Um, Alicia Keys, Eric Gilfoyle, Celebrity Crush, releases uh, If I Ain't Got You. And Rosie O'Donnell married her wife. I don't know if they're still together. I think they are Kelly O'Donnell in San Francisco. So try to stick with the positive news. Do you have a back of the DVD summary for Miracle? I do. When college coach Herb Brooks is hired to helm the 1980 U.S. men's Olympic hockey team, he brings a unique and brash style to the ice. After assembling a team of hot-headed college all-stars who are humiliated in an early match, Brooks unites his squad against a common foe, the heavily favored Soviet team. As the U.S. squad tries to overcome insurmountable odds and win the gold medal, the team becomes a microcosm for American patriotism during the Cold War. Yes, and... I was just talking about this with a coworker of mine who's a big sports fan, and we were talking about diff- the different sports. And this is obviously this is called miracle for a reason. And in the whole speech that her books makes, where if we play them nine times or play them ten times, they might win nine. That is true. And talent is important in hockey. But one thing that I do love is that more than any other, the four majors. Again, this is just my opinion, and I am a hockey guy. Chemistry does matter, and and you know, like in when I was talking to my coworker about it, we were talking about basketball and I said, you know, going into any NBA season, there are probably three teams that have any real chance of winning the the title. You know what I mean? It's, it's, and that, that kind of stinks, but in hockey, it's not unheard of. It's actually kind of common for a team to go into the playoffs, one of the bottom seeds and win the cup. So if you can just get clicking at the right time, it's, it's, it matters. So uh, that's a pretty decent point to make in the summary. So some cast members and uh, directors and how they were doing going into this film. So I'm going to talk about a few people who are minor role, a little bit more minor roles, but I have to mention them because there, there aren't a ton of actual actors in this movie. So I'm going to touch on the, the actors that you may have heard of before I get into some of the other people. So Kurt Russell, obviously he plays Herb Brooks, legendary hockey coach, started as a child actor in the 60s. He was in Follow Me Boys, The Travels of Jamie McFeeters. Later on, he was in Silkwood, Escape from New York, Escape from L.A., The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China, uh, Overboard, Tango and Cash, Backdraft, Tombstone, which is one of my childhood favorite movies. Actually, Backdraft and Tombstone. I love those movies as a kid. I still love Tombstone and Backdraft, but Tombstone more. Um, Stargate, Executive Decision, Vanilla Sky, Death Proof, Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Fast franchise, the Fast and the Furious franchise for the for a few of them, few of them, and more. And I never really thought about it, but looking through his resume, he's a one of the more impressive examples we've covered of reinventing yourself. When you think that he started as a child actor, and then he was, you know, he kind of went through his like, I would, I don't know if I'd call him like a sex symbol, but the the ladies liked him in the in the eighties and nineties. And then now to be doing movies like Death Proof and Hateful Eight and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and everything like that, that that's, a, that's a pretty cool, pretty cool run. Um, Patricia, Patricia Clarkson, who if, you're, if you've seen this movie, you're like, why is he talking about Patricia Clarkson? But again, she's one of the only name actors that's in, that are in this. So she plays Herb's wife in the worst role in the film, which is not her fault, nothing that she did wrong. Um, you know her from The Untouchables, Deadpool, High Art, Green Mile, The Pledge, Dogville, Station, A- Station Agent, Pieces of April, which we just talked about in the past couple of weeks, Six Feet Under, Good Night and Good Luck, Lars and the Real Girl, Shutter Island, and then House of Cards, which that reminds me, Joe, did you ever watch House of Cards? 
No, I didn't. I watched like two episodes, but not enough for me to actually. Like, <clears throat> it didn't didn't get you. Yeah, I keep I, I keep meaning to to sit down and like watch that and get into and it. Now it's even I'm... now it's even harder <laughs> with everything because of the Kevin. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. Like even harder to like get behind it now. But I can shame. separate. I can separate myself from that. I can say like you know he's a dirtbag, but if it's a good show and it's a political show, which I'm into, yeah, I can I can deal with that. But um, all right. So anyway, Noah Emmerich, he plays Craig Patrick. The he's kind of the like the good cop to Herb Brooks's bad cop. He's that coach where Herb goes in and reams the boys out, and then Craig Patrick kind of pats him on the back and says it's going to be okay. So solid career and casual movie fans, you may not know the name. But you see his face and you, and you just, you know the guy. He's in Beautiful Girls, Truman Show, Frequency, Little Children, Super 8, The Americans on FX, The Walking Dead. Um, so solid career, uh, impressive, just kind of character actor. And then this is how I'm going to bridge the gap from uh, the Hollywood actors to the, the hockey players. Eddie Cahill, who I know when I saw him, I thought of him as Tag from Friends. Um, he was also in CSI, Under the Dome. Lords of Dogtown, and he's a big hockey fan, which I didn't know until like looking into this. And he wrote a Rangers celebrity fan blog for a while. So, and I guess he played lacrosse. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, he played lacrosse, so he knew you know he knew a little bit about. He was a hockey fan, but he played lacrosse. And the way that they got around it kind of was so obviously being a goalie, he's wearing a mask, so you can you can have him do the you know, behind the scenes, the locker room scenes, and then have someone else play net for him. And the person that played net for him was Bill Ranford. So um, pretty, if you're uh, any hockey fans, that's, that's Bill Ranford was a legit NHL goalie for a long time. So I thought that was pretty cool that he was involved in this. So now let's transition from the, the actors to the hockey player. So like I said, the young men chosen to portray the members of Team USA were chosen primarily for their hockey skills due to the intense nature of filming. Uh, acting ability was secondary. In fact, for most of them, this was their first major role. So Michael Mantenuto, and this is sad, but um, he played Jack O'Callaghan, who's I think probably most people's favorite player in the movie, at least for me or one of them. Um, He left acting to join the U.S. Army. He fought ISIS in Iraq and Syria as a member of the Green Berets, and sadly, he committed suicide in 2017. Um, So that's, that's a not to be a downer, but had to mention it. And then uh, Buzz Buzz Schneider was played by someone named Billy Schneider. And the filmmakers didn't even know that Billy was Buzz's son until after they cast him as his father. I thought that's, what are the odds of that? That's pretty cool. So, and the rest of the um, rest of the players, like Patrick O'Brien, O'Brien played Mike Ruzioni. But it's really, the only players that they give any real time to are Jim Craig, O'Callaghan, um, Ruzioni and then Cox, actually, who gets cut. Um, but those are, and then there's kind of a bunch of other guys that they touch on a little bit, but not too much. Um, what did you have down for random facts? I'm sorry, I didn't realize I was going to be there the last second. I was going to say, how tough, because you just mentioned Cox, how tough would that have been as a player, like to get that close, that uh, far, put all that hard work into it, and then being the last player to, to get cut? I was like, especially man, like, after, especially after what happens. Like, yeah. I know. And they did. I think, I don't know, obviously I don't know Ralph Cox in real life, but I would be curious to look into it. I should have looked into it more. I wonder, cause in the movie, he's like the most likable guy. He's like just kind of a friendly, goofy, easygoing guy. So I wonder if they did that to make you feel even 
yeah. worse for him. Like you yeah. fall in love with the guy and then he gets, he gets cut. Even when it's or, the news, he takes it really like really professionally. He doesn't right. like have attention. Like he is like, it's so hard to watch. Yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine that. Like at, in any sport getting that yeah. close. I, I think he, he was a UNH guy. I think, right. They said, I think you're right. Yeah. And I think he went into a whole different field after I was re- like, after like the, like the, like the, like the little, blip on each character where they are at that time in 2004 and i think they went into a whole different like out of away from sports and everything okay i I just i just i just looked him up so uh he later in life joined the pittsburgh penguins as a scout and so because of that he got two stanley cup rings for 91 and 92 yager lemieux years yeah so so good for him it it all it all worked out and he did play he played the chl the ahl uh, the ihl so no nhl no real real hockey but like not not no real hockey that's coming for me who plays in a beer league but no he didn't make it to like the the peak of the mountain but right. still played professional hockey and he still tried out for the u.s olympic team so he's better than 99.999 percent of, of hockey players on the planet so um sorry anyway did you have any uh random facts i do i have a few of them so mm-hmm. i'll start off with kind of a downer here but herb brooks died in a car accident during principal photography of this film a dedication is made for him before the ending credits. And if you end up sticking through the whole credits, you get like another little clip of her at the end, which is really nice. But I love how the, they mentioned how he didn't see the movie. He lived it. And like, it's so that accurate, is the best. Yep. That is the best. Like, cause it's, especially when you see that for the first time, you're feeling so bad for him yeah. and you should, I mean, it's, it stinks that he died. But then it's like right when you're like, oh, it'd be so great if you could see this movie. He missed it. And then it, it, that yeah. line, that quote just hits perfect. I don't know yeah. whose idea that was, if it was like a director or someone behind the scenes, but whoever came up with that, well done. Yeah, absolutely. Kurt Russell took a pay cut so the 800 or 1,000 extras used as the fans at the hockey game could enjoy a, a full hot meal instead of brown bag lunch. Good guy, Kurt Russell. Yeah. Team guy, team guy, locker room guy, Kurt Russell. (laughs) While Al Michaels joined the film to recreate commentary for the games, Gavin O'Connor decided to use the last 10 seconds of Michaels' original, Do You Believe in Miracles, call on the film because he felt he couldn't ask him to recreate the emotion he experienced at that moment. Thus, they cleaned up the recording to make the transition um, to the authentic call as seamless as possible. Great call, Gavin. Great call. (laughs) Yeah, because you can't fake that. You can't reenact that. Yep. Nope. And then a cool little tidbit as my last uh, fact. Over 280 miles of film was shot, more than any other Disney movie at the time. So again, I'm not sure that that's changed, but just picturing the fact that 280 miles of film was shot is just wild aggressive, especially since it's so expensive. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. No, that's crazy. No, you, I had some of those too. Uh, I had just a couple more to add on. Um, more than 4,000 men auditioned for only 21 roles on the U.S. Olympic team in the movie. So... 4,000 local hockey players. It's pretty crazy. So in real, and I think all that said, they made, I mean, obviously I didn't see the 4,000 people, but all the casting was great in my opinion. Um, in real life, the Herbies after the Norway game uh, did not end well, did not end with Mike Ruzioni saying he played for the United States of America. They instead ended it with Mark Johnson's frustration of having to do the Herbies where he smashed his stick against the glass. So I think I kind of knew that it didn't end with Mike Ruzioni being like, I play for the United States of America, but I didn't know that it was that different. Yeah. Um, 
Former players of the 1980 U.S. team said that they were pleased with the film and thought that for the most part it was accurate. The one complaint that they had, the one complaint that they had was how Herb Brooks was shown to be friendly with the players. And this is a quote um, from one of the players. Herb wasn't going to holiday parties with players. And he wasn't coming up with the cute nicknames for them, said one former player. We respected him, but I wouldn't say that we liked him, said another former player about Brooks. And that's not a knock at all on Herb Brooks. I think that's just how some coaches coach. They're not there to be your friend, especially at high level like that. So <clears throat> that was the one, dip, one nitpick they had. Michael Mantenuto, who played uh, Jack O'Callaghan, during those the tryouts, he got into a fight with another player who picked on him and, and some other guys on the ice during tryouts. Um, he apologized to Gavin O'Connor afterwards, to which Gavin responded, no, that was good. Michael ended up winning the part of Jack O'Callaghan. The defenseman dubbed the first one to drop his gloves. So I think that's that's a, a cool little fact and stuff like that is extra valued in, in hockey. So um, I already mentioned this. this is my, my last fact that I was going to mention was that the stand-in goalie for the character of Jim Craig was former Edmonton Oilers, Edmonton Oilers goalie Bill Ranford. I also have to mention that Bill Ranford played for the Bruins too. And I wish they, I, I know he, the Oilers in the 80s were a more fun team to be involved with. But what are you going to do? <laughs> um, did you have anything down for stuff that wouldn't fly in today's environment? I did not. No. Yeah. I don't. I was. It's yeah, a Disney movie is, too. So, like, I'm sure, like, behind the scenes, what happened behind the scenes is different. But as a Disney movie, I think you go into this feeling pretty safe. That's going to be a clean cut film. Yes. And I have to give it like bonus points for something. So someone, so hockey players probably swear more than any, any group of people on the planet. And I think that they did a good job of, especially with like the, the O'Callaghan stuff and the rivalry he had, um, and some of the other stuff, they did a good job of toning it down to make it Disney appropriate without making it super fake. You know what I mean? Like the whole scene with McClanahan and O'Callaghan and their rivalry and their fight. Um, in reality, if that was a real hockey practice, it'd be F-bombs and whatever going everywhere. And they obviously had to take that out, but it's still believable and it doesn't come off as fake. So bonus points for making it appropriate, but not losing the intensity. Um, What'd you have down for your favorite scene? So I put going into this movie for the first time in years. Oh, I just want to get this like a little, this isn't really my favorite, my favorite scene, but I thought this was going to be more along the lines of Room of the Titans, but instead it's much more like Hoosiers, which we've all talked, we've talked about in the past. And I appreciate that so much more, where it's like a more serious tone throughout the entire film. Whereas Room of the Titans has like some fun moments and all that, but Miracle is very much just a straightforward yep. retelling of this really cool story. So I definitely appreciate that. Kurt Russell is the best part of the movie, without a doubt. He plays uh, Herb, and he's amazing. And the entire third act is just the, my favorite thing in the entire movie. It's kind of like, you know, it's obvious for a lot of people, I'm sure. But I think the, like we, you mentioned earlier, the, the, this is going to go into why my, one of my dislikes too. But the hockey was filmed so well in this movie. I wish mm-hmm. we had more of it. And I'm so happy they had an entire third act focus on that big game instead of, rushing through it, just like focusing on goals and missed shots. We actually saw a lot of gameplay and I yep. love that so much. And one of the shots sticks with me and I, it stuck with me since I first saw it. And I love it when they're looking at the clock, we should see like the camera from the ice's view, the players are on the ice looking at the yep. one minute, one, one minute left. And like, man, like it gets my heart racing every time I see that one shot, but the whole third act is amazing. And 
just the way it's filmed, it's just really, really, it's an, it's an awesome scene. It's probably one of my first, and honestly, like thinking about sports scenes, probably one of my favorites in any movie when it comes to a, a sports movie. Okay. Yeah, no, that's a good call. Um, so my favorite scene, I think it's interesting that you picked that because I assumed, I think if you asked a hundred people what their, what the best scene in this movie is, probably 90 of them would say the speech in between the periods. And I do have to say it's unbelievable. I think it's, I think it's a top, top five sports speeches of all time. It's like, you know, that like Friday night lights for me is way up there. Um, There's some other ones, but it's in the, it's in the discussion, but my favorite scene for me is the fight at practice between O'Callaghan and McClanahan and just the, the built up tension between the two from what happened in college hockey. And then it just boils over and watching it. I wish that this was still out there. Someone took this video down. Um, There's an AHL team called the Charlotte checkers and they had this video set to uh, beautiful war by Kings of Leon. And it was hockey players talking about like the, the, the place that fighting has in the game. And one of them, I can't remember which one it was. I wish I could give him credit, but he says hockey is like a very emotional game. And what fighting is, is it kind of, it lets, it's it like, lets you like let out a little bit of the steam. So things don't blow up. And that scene to me as someone who played hockey, nowhere near this level, but it really just hit home for me because it, that happens in hockey, not that doesn't happen in hockey practices at all levels, but because obviously, you know, now kids wear cages and everything like that, but it's just a very competitive game and a very emotional game. And I love that they were able to have that happen. And then Herb's like, when Herb Brooks is like, let him go, let him go, let him fight. They get it out of their system. And then it's kind of like, all right, are you guys done now? We're on a team. We're on the same team now. You guys had your past, leave it in the past. And so I, I really like that. That's my favorite scene. Yeah, that's a really great scene. Yeah. And that's how you feel about, again, Going back to the scene when they're, they're talking about like we're a family when they off the bus wing and they call him off to talk to him um, kind of like more privately because well, I forgot the other player what his name was but how do you feel about the situation where this player is brought on and to like be a great player and like, like kind of like push them in the direction and then they just kind of cut him loose we don't see that we don't see that happen on screen but it's right. kind of like cut him loose after them not like clicking I guess or not giving him a chance to click. Well, so that, that player whose name I also can't think of right now, but I looked into it and he was on Herb's team, his college team. He like led the team in scoring. He was that guy on paper was the best player. He was better player than all of them. So I, I think that that's kind of like when they talk about how the only thing that the film got wrong was Herb Brooks wasn't that friendly. I think that's like, you're getting a taste of how Herb Brooks really was is he did that to light a fire under their ass and to let them know, like, listen, you're here because I say you're here. And if I think that there's someone better, I'll, I'll, I'll grab that kid in two seconds. And you know what I mean? So it's, it's obviously not the nicest thing, but once you get to a certain level in sports, it's, you know, you're not there to make friends. And he, he, I think he just did it to wake them up and to let them know, like nothing's guaranteed. And, yeah, you know, so I, 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 I wouldn't have liked it if I was, if I was one of those guys, <laughs> right. but I think it had the effect that he wanted it to, where they were like, I'll show him and I'll, you know what I mean? I'll give what I got. And so I, I actually like that. Um, so soundtrack, 
So I have the music was what you hoped it would be in a movie like this. Mark is him, did a great job capturing hope in his music when there needed to be some, and then has his music be one of the most important parts, in my opinion, of the third act during the final hockey game. Um, he's very active in Hollywood, and his name has been brought in previous episodes. He scored Point Break, River, River Runs Through It, Flyway the, the, For the original Point Break. The original, that's why I'm, I, 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 yes. I, that's why I see not the best movie he's done, but I would throw it in there just for you, Eric. Well, so. I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> so, uh, Point Break, River Runs Through It, Flyway Home, October Sky, which is very underrated, Crash, and he actually did, which is kind of cool, the most recent Bill and Ted's, uh, Bill and Ted movie, Bill and Ted Face the Music, like so many others. He's teamed up with Gavin for most of the films, looks like, too. He did, like, uh, Warrior Invincible. He did, um, I don't know what else Gavin did, but he's pretty much paired up with Gavin each for each one of his movies, which is pretty cool. So they have a really nice little partnership. And then the license music was was good, which it wasn't anything crazy, but they captured that time ever pretty good. So what do you think of it? I think that I think I I thought it was good, too. I think the late 70s, the late 70s, early 80s are such a weird, not weird, but so everyone has like what they think of as super 80s. And really what that is, is like stuff that was popular in like 85, 86, you know, late 80s. Um, whereas like the 19 early 1980s are so different than that, and so the and the same thing with the late 70s. Like, you if you ask kids our age, like, what are the 70s? It's like disco and whatever, but it's that that transition from like late 70s to early 80s is interesting time, and I think they did a good job of with the music and a lot of other things of capturing that. So, I agree, job well done. So now the tough question. Well, it's not, I mean, it's not that tough. You, you had mentioned, you had alluded to the fact earlier that you were going to bring something up. So if you could change one thing. Hey, I, I, it's maybe the pacing of the first half a little bit, but like I said, it's tough because each player deserves the audience to get to know them a little bit better. And Herb Schoen deserves to know how much of his personal life was sacrificed with this position. So it might not be possible to fix, but maybe if we had the wife be a little more supportive, I guess, because in the scenes that she has with her, She's not really the most supportive wife and we're giving his like pressures he has. So I wish we had a little bit more of maybe the better side of her supporting her husband during this kind of high pressure, high profile um, job he has. But I really do think like, despite me saying the pacing of the first half, that's only because the hockey was so good when we got to the games. So that's just me being like, I wish we had more of the hockey scenes than anything else because it was so well filmed, but I, you really can't do anything about the pacing just because we have to get to know the characters and who they are and their struggles. And then it's the payoffs, I guess, the hockey games at the end. So I agree and, and disagree. So at the same time, so this was super easy for me. If I could change one thing, the entire storyline with her Brooks and his wife. But like I said earlier, it wasn't Patricia Clarkson's fault. I'm just so sick of that role of the, the athlete, or in this case, the coach who, you know, he's putting in the extra hours and the wife who's like not supportive and blah, blah, blah. I would just remove that entire thing because it's just been done too many times. And it's like, the, it's kind of like the Adrian from Rocky and her books was a division one coach before this. I guarantee you, this wasn't a new thing to, to her or to him. He was, she was used to him spending hours and hours and hours and hours watching tape and whatever. So I don't think that added anything to the, I mean, I get that they wanted to show that he was sacrificing it, but I just wish they could have 
done it in a way other than his wife. Maybe maybe make her more supportive, but I, I think I'd rather just. I'm just so done with that sports movie thing where they have to have a wife. Oh no, I, I agree. I, I actually like the scene when he's skipping the press conference to be with his daughter. Right? Is that it's like that little scene yeah. where he's with his kids? Like I like that in the show. Like he has, he's trying to like separate his personal life and work life a little bit. Like so, maybe more scenes like that where we see him trying to figure out how to separate. But <laughs> yeah, the the worn out not supportive wife is like that's that's probably my least favorite part of the movie is probably just her, her not helping out her but when she comes in that she gives him the option to pick up this care that kid he's like well he's like that's gonna be kind of tough he's like, right <laughs> i think i guess as i'm thinking about it to defend them a little bit they were probably limited so they so this movie is like a little over two hours long right and they have a certain amount of time to fill they have to get you they have to give you the backstory before they get into the hockey uh, Kurt Russell is a professional actor and a pretty good one. The hockey players are not. So there was a certain amount of time that had to be filled and they probably had to fill it with Herb Brooks because like I said, the other guys aren't actors. And even the scene in the bar where um, O'Callahan's explaining why he doesn't like McClanahan and he's, I, I would, I told Joe before we started recording, this is going to be my quote, but he's like, why do you want to play college hockey? And uh and then he talks about how McClanahan stole the ring off his finger and everything like that. I think they did a good job of using the hockey players acting as just as much as they could and then getting out. So I guess I understand why they had to have more her books, but I think there could have been more, more interaction between like her books and his coaching staff. Give me, give me more of, of, of him and, and Craig, Craig Patrick play, played yeah. by Noah Emmerich instead of him and his wife the, the wife thing i'm just sensitive to it because it's just been done a bajillion times so yeah, it would be nice seeing more of the assistant coach for sure because he was really great and he was like you know it was yeah, nice was awesome. yeah i wonder how I think what, that, go ahead, go ahead. I know what we're gonna say no i think that's a i think that's a universal thing in sports where you have the head coach who like rips you apart and then you have that that assistant coach is like hey bud like you know what he means what he means is you're trying really hard but we need you to do better I don't know what he wants. Gonna... I don't know what he wants. Let's go see. Let's go see together. <laughs> right, right, right. What were you going to say, though? Yeah, what happened to him? I don't remember getting a rundown of his, like, career after um, this whole The Miracle on Ice. Are you talking about um, uh, Noah Emmerich or, yeah. or, uh, or Craig Patrick? Craig Patrick. What What? What did he end up? Did he end up? Oh, yeah. He, a, he probably had. Still? Yeah, he probably had, like, one of the, the more impressive like hockey careers so he he coached and then he was a general manager um he like he was the general man oh so that explains the whole um the scout thing earlier so he was a general manager of the penguins i think in the early 90s so he won two cups i think i i think he was there for both of them with the with the penguins so he was probably the most successful um guy in the hockey world in the movie really i know jim craig played in the nhl but craig patrick was a gm for like you know the whole mario lemieux jeremy yager uh penguins mm-hmm. he was that was his team so oh wow yeah uh, so maybe yeah. that's maybe explains the uh like you said the scout getting his getting an old former player to on the on them with them it's kind of cool yep 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 so no very cool all right so we've come to the point of the podcast where we give our scores um, if you've listened before, you know, we give our, our scores on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So a score of one is you get into the first minute or two. They're giving that highlight reel of how the world sucked in 19 in the late seventies and gas prices were really high. And we thought we were going to go to war with Russia. 
and you're like, I don't want to watch this. I just want to watch sports movies. So you turn it off all the way up to a score of five, which is you watch the movie, you, you keep it a few, a few extra days, pay the late fees, maybe even just buy it from the video rental store so you can watch it a million times. Uh, so a score of one is low, score of five is high. This is my pick. So Joe's going to go first. Joe, what are you giving Miracle? I get a 4.5. Miracle is an incredible sports movie and does an amazing job recreating a magical moment in Olympic history. Kurt Russell is, in my opinion, the best part of the movie, playing um, Herb Brooks. And the rest of the actors do a great job portraying the hockey players that made this miracle happen. I wish we were this way to get more of their interactions together. Like we talked about, you actually mentioned earlier, earlier Eric, because they were a fun group of people to watch on screen. Um, and I think the hockey it's one of the best film in a sports movie. And I wish we again, hello more of that just because I felt like we were taking, we were, that, that was taken away from us because it was so damn good. And we, I don't think I've seen hockey filmed that authentic. No, you, you movie. So yeah. So <laughs> I really wish we had a little more of that. Um, but I know it will be tough to do without making us a three hour movie. So I think miracle is easily top 10 sports movies of all time. And maybe even, maybe even top five. Yeah. I, um, I also gave it a 4.5 and this is tough because as someone who played hockey his entire life, I wanted to give it a five because especially like, like you said, hockey is really hard to film. So, and if you played it at any level, you get frustrated watching some movies where the hockey, the play is so bad. And even, even movies I like, like I grew up on the mighty ducks, right? I, 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 that, that movie, that series will always have a, special place in my heart because it's i was you know five years old six seven years old watching those movies but the hockey in them is horrible and i know it's a kid's movie but there are adult hockey movies that are the same way so the hockey play in this is by far the best of compared to you know and i think it's some of the best sports action regardless of what sport it is compared to any other movie so that's it it's not perfect and really the biggest thing is this can't ever live up to the true story. So that's, that's tough. But the fact that they're not professional actors hurts it a little bit and it helps it with the hockey play. But yeah, I, I love this movie. It's, I felt like when I saw it, that hockey finally got represented on the big screen, you know, slap shot and their other movies represent different parts of the game, but this is by far the best one as far as the play of the game. And I think the guys that, aren't professional actors they were just hockey players i think they did pretty well considering they had oh, some I of them too. had some of them had little experience some of them had no experience and they did all right they didn't yep. you know they're not winning any awards but they did fine we've seen worse acting from people with like way more extensive uh, resumes so <laughs> see mcculsey moon fall everyone <laughs> <laughs> right don't don't trash on halle berry though um so uh the beer, um, Little Victories from Mass Landings, delicious. Um, follow us on Instagram. Suggestions are always welcome. Most of us say at the beginning of the episode, but I always forget. Uh, we'll be back next week. And next week is not only Joe's pick, it's Joe's birthday pick. So as you guys may know, we're sticking to movies in the between the years 2000 and 2010. The only exception to that is birthday picks. So I don't know what Joe's going to pick, but it could be pre-2000 or post-2010. So, Joe, what are we talking about next week? So, I could have probably, I should have probably picked this before we swapped the 2000-2010 uh, the ever, but I'm picking the Italian, in my opinion, masterpiece, Cinema Paradiso. So, 
it's a powerful film about people people who love movies will love this who will love this movie so you like movies i'll roll a lot eric so i think you'll appreciate this if you haven't seen it have you some of you so no i haven't i have okay not. so perfect yeah he's gonna be a love letter be pumped it's Bree's a love letter to movies oh yeah you guys are gonna love it awesome so we'll be back next week guys with cinema paradiso and thank you very much for listening as always everyone thank you